0: Theological education should be affordable Seminary students should not have to take out tens of thousands of dollars in student loans to train for the ministry At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, our students pay a base of $75 per credit hour and a $375 per semester fee For more information on how you can receive informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, check out our website, cbtseminary.org You are listening to Sermon Select on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome to the first CBTS virtual chapel. We'll be looking today at Psalm 119, verses 153 through 160. I will Let's begin by reading that, and then we'll pray and uh, open it together. Psalm 119, verses 153 to 160. Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and am disgusted, because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your lovingkindness. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Let's pray. O merciful and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that your spirit would open our hearts, change our lives, and conform us into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The history of persecution of Christians in the United States is not a big history, is it? Christians are literally dying all over the world today, being martyred for the cause of Christ. And the persecution that we've suffered in this country has been mainly verbal. But you don't have to be the prophet or a son of a prophet to know that's likely going to change very soon. I think that will be worldwide. The persecution of Christians is about to increase and we need to be ready. Well, in this passage, the psalmist is crying out because of affliction and persecution. And there's much that we can learn from it. So let's just dive in. First of all, I wanna look at our affliction. Verse 153, consider my affliction and deliver me. Verse 157, many are my persecutors and my enemies. 158, I see the treacherous or disloyal or faithless and am disgusted. First of all, affliction and persecution is the lot of every Christian. Second Timothy 3.12 Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's not something strange. It's not something we should be surprised by. The Bible promises every Christian will suffer persecution at some level. And secondly, It's important to keep this focus in times of persecution. When we are being persecuted, we are being made partakers in Christ's suffering. 1 Peter 4, 12-14, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of, spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. We actually partake in Christ's sufferings, not, not his substitutionary atonement, but remember, what did, what did Christ say to Paul on the road to Damascus? Did he say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? No, he said, why are you persecuting me? We are the body of Christ. We are partaking in his sufferings when we're suffering under persecution. Notice next, though, afflictions and persecutions are a blessing. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Have you seen your persecution and afflictions as a blessing? Or is this something you just want to avoid? We need to embrace them as a blessing. Rejoice and being exceedingly glad, he says. But also afflictions and persecutions have many purposes. There, there are many things God accomplishes through the persecution of his people. First of all, they remind us of our weakness. We have a tendency to become self-reliant, which is utter foolishness. And persecutions help remind us that we are weak and feeble creatures. They drive us to our knees. We're all too easily forgetful of prayer. Persecutions drive us to our knees, drive us to the throne of Christ, but most importantly, they drive us to Christ. It's the quotes attributed to Spurgeon, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. But I also... Persecutions expose false converts. Matthew 13, 20-21 But he who received the seed on stony places this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while for when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word immediately he stumbles. The purity of the church is something important to Christ and he uses persecution for that end but also notice that we conquer through persecution. We need to live by faith, not by sight. Martyrdom looks like a loss, but it's really a victory. The martyrs receive a crown of glory. Times of the greatest revival in the world have been times of the greatest persecution. But we need to live by faith not by sight think of the cross of Christ the Lord of glory is dying on a tree to physical eyes it looks like a huge loss I couldn't imagine a worse loss our hero is dying but in truth by faith we recognize the greatest victory ever accomplished Well, our victory looks the same way. Romans 6.20, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. When Christ was crushing the serpent, it looked like he was losing. When God crushes Satan under our feet, it'll look like we're losing as well. But remember Revelation 12.11, And they overcame or conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives The death. Now, before I move on, I just want to make a note. Check your eschatology. If you have an eschatology that thinks that some for some period of time before Christ comes, this is no longer going to be the way Christ deals with his people. You need to check your eschatology. This is what Christ has promised. This is how Christ deals with his people. It is how he has dealt with his people since the fall and he will continue to do so but secondly i want to look at our afflictors because yes there are many forms of affliction that we go through in this life but most of them will come through other people salvation is far from the wicked for they do not seek your statutes many are my persecutors and my enemies I see the treacherous and am disgusted. First of all, I want to look at their description. Who are these afflictors? They are those who do not seek God's statutes. They are those who do not keep his word. They are those who persecute us. They are our enemies. This brings to mind Matthew ten thirty-four through 36, where Christ says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Not only should we expect persecution and affliction, but we should not be surprised when it comes from those we love the most. It is those we love the most who have the unique ability to tear the heart out of your chest and stomp on it on the floor. We need to be prepared and not surprised. That's their description. Secondly, their number. Many are my persecutors and my enemies. I want to talk a little bit about their origin. Where do these enemies come from? It's clear back in Genesis 3.15. God said, I will be... I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is where the enemy enmity comes from. There are two groups of people in the world. They're the seed of the serpent, the children of the devil, and they're the children of God. And God put the enmity between them. It's still that way. It's why Christ said, you are of your father of the, the father of the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. Remember, Christ and John the Baptist both would say, you brood of vipers. It's, he didn't just come up with some, some uh, random thing to say. He's pointing out, they're the seed of the serpent. And 1 John 3, 8, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. So that's the origin and remember it is god who put put the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent between his people and the devil's children but third let's look at their destiny salvation is far from the wicked by appearance our persecutors look safe by appearance They look safe, and we look like we're in great peril. But in reality, they are in the greatest danger, and we are safe in the bosom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But let's look at at our attitude toward them. First of all, it's disgust. I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they do not keep your word. We cannot be complacent about the abounding sin around us. It's becoming more and more rampant in most places. The darkness seems to be creeping further and further. We can't just say, well, God's sovereign. There's nothing I can do about it. We cannot be complacent. Remember in Ezekiel 9:4, God said, "Put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations of those of the all the abominations that are done within the city." We cannot let familiarity make us numb. We need to be like the psalmist who said, "Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law." So, yes, One of our attitudes toward our persecutors is disgust. But also needs to have compassion. Salvation is far from the wicked for they do not seek your statutes. But he doesn't stop there, does he? Continues. The very next words are great are your tender mercies, O Lord. We need to have compassion on those who persecute us. The vilest... Things in their hearts are no worse than the vilest things in ours. We need to preach the gospel to those who who persecute us and pray for their salvation. We need to have compassion. But third, I want to look at our path. Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. "'Consider how I love your precepts. "'I see the treacherous and am disgusted "'because they do not keep your law.'" What we're looking at here is imparted righteousness, the righteous acts of the saints. As Calvin says, "'The prophet does not boast of his endeavors "'to keep the law as if he would have God "'pay him wages for his service, "'but only to show that he was one of God's servants.'" John Gill, this is this the psalmist mentions not as if his not forgetting the law of God was meritorious or deliverant for deliverance from affliction, but as a descriptive character of such as the Lord delivers. Proverbs eleven eight shows what he's talking about. The righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes upon the wicked instead. Hebrews eight ten, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. We're talking about the righteous acts of Christ's people. The psalmist brings forth his own works, not as meriting deliverance, but is pointing out, God, I am your child. Deliver me, because all God's children bear fruit. Ephesians two ten, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when we're crying out for deliverance, it is not wrong point out that we are Christ's children. And we're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Consider how I love your precepts, the psalmist says. Not how I keep them perfectly, but I do love them. They are the transcript of your character. We need to see God's commandments not as shackles, nor as a stairway to heaven, but as guideposts on the road to the celestial city. But probably most importantly, let's look fourthly at our petitions. How should we pray when we're being afflicted, when we're being persecuted? How should we pray? Consider my affliction and deliver me. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Greater your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. First of all, he prays, consider my affliction. Turn your compassionate eye toward your suffering servant. Turn your compassionate eye toward me. Consider my affliction, but also deliver me. Consider my affliction and deliver me. God has not simply promised that we will suffer persecution and affliction. He has promised that he will deliver us from them. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalm 97:10. You who love the Lord, Hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. But not only deliver me, plead my cause and redeem me. Verse 154. Plead my cause and redeem me. Defend my cause. Literally, it's plead my plea. If we are being persecuted for righteousness' sake, we have an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous, He will plead our cause. But here we have the repeated prayer, revive me. Or I think the ESV puts it best here, give me life. Because it's not resuscitate me because I got woozy. It's, it's give me life. Revive me according to your word revive me according to your judgments revive me O lord according to your loving kindness this is not speaking of the first giving of life when god first brings us to life from the dead when he takes out our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh listen to gill here this is a prayer not for the first work of quickening grace or the first implantation of a principle of spiritual life, which the psalmist had had an experience of, but for the reviving of the work and principle in him, that he might be refreshed and comforted and be animated and stirred up to a lively exercise of grace and performance of duty, finding himself in dead and lifeless frames and not able to quicken himself. Our primary prayer is give me life. I think this is a place where we can really put Augustine's maxim to good use where he says that the new is in the old concealed and the old is in the new revealed. The psalmist was saved by trusting in the Messiah to come just as we are trusting trusting in the Messiah who has passed. But we have been given much greater light. When we cry out for life, we can do it with much more light. What are we crying out for when we cry out for life? John 14:6 Jesus said to him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Jesus Christ is the life. Eternal life is that they may know God the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who he sent. We cry out, "Give me life." We're crying out, "Give me Christ." Yes, he is already my Savior, but I need him now. I need him more than ever when I'm suffering persecution for his sake. Give me Christ. The Three times repeated here, we would repeat it over and over. In our darkest hours, what do we need? Give me Christ. There's also life according to your word. Revive me according to your word. Now, we're born again through the Word of God. 1 Peter one twenty three. we we're born again through the Word of God. But spiritual life not only begins with the Word of God, but is nourished and preserved by the Word of God as well. When we're suffering persecution, not only are we crying out to God, but we need to realize when we're asking, I want life, I want Christ. Where is that found? It's found in His Word. We need to spend time in his word, especially in those difficult times. It's also life in accordance with your judgments. Greater your tender mercies, O Lord, revive me according to your judgments. It's not give me life on the basis of your judgments, but it is in accordance with them. God's tender mercies... Are never at odds with his righteousness and justice. You realize every false religion in the world has an unjust God because he pardons people simply and just decides, hey, I'm just not going to punish these people. There's different reasons they all provide, but every false religion has an unjust God. That is one of the greatest glories of the cross of Jesus Christ. That God did not cease to be just. And yet he still has mercy on those whom on whom he will have mercy. But it's also life according to your loving kindness or your faithful love, your steadfast love. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. This is the covenant love and faithfulness that we have in Jesus Christ. So when we're suffering persecution, and we're crying out. We need to have the same heart that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. when they said to Nebuchadnezzar, if that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. When we are suffering persecution, we cry out to God, we trust that He hears us, and we know that He can deliver us. But even if we perish, we go to receive an eternal crown, and we will not bow down to the gods of this age. But finally, we just see our hope Remember this, verse 156, especially in times of persecution. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. The tender mercies we find in Christ are our foundation and our hope. Let's pray. O merciful and gracious Heavenly Father, we bless you and thank you for your kindness and mercy toward us. We pray that you would strengthen our faith, enable us to endure temptation, to resist temptation, to endure affliction and persecution, cause us to love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with a deeper and greater love each and every day. And Lord, may the blood of the saints continue to be the seed of your church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's Sermon Select on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CVTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable, online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more, visit cbtseminary.org.